0: Welcome to another edition of the Word of God. I'm Father Reed. We are going to be looking at scriptures from proper 19, and you'll find those on this post. So as you go through these scriptures, just plan your week accordingly. I try to read on a daily basis. And sometimes, of course, if I miss my daily reading, I'll have to double up or triple up. I don't like to quadruple up, if that's such a word. Uh, Catching up on four... Or twelve texts is hard because there's three. Um, we are looking at First Kings and Second Kings from the Old Testament, and then we'll be looking at First Corinthians. Last week we looked at Philippians, and the week before that we looked at James, and last week we finished our study of Mark, and we are now in the book of Matthew. Remember, we had finished with the baptism of Jesus, and then I said that the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and we began his ministry with this extraordinary tete-a-tete with Satan himself. So again, you know, look at your week, look at your time frame, uh, get you a good Bible, a good place to read your Bible. Try to make it a consistent practice if you can. Listen to the scriptures, read the scriptures, pray, hear what God is saying to you, and our time together is an opportunity for us to talk about the scriptures. I'll point out a few things to you that you might want to be aware of and give you some overview of the scriptures. Nothing in depth at all in this time frame, but I enjoy looking at the scriptures and seeing what God is saying on a macro level. When you're in your home, you can look at it in more detail and may, you may be, uh, have some time to do some study on your own. A good Bible that has study notes, uh, is also an excellent way to grow in Christ and grow in your study of the scriptures. 1 Kings 19, remember we talked about Elijah. I love Elijah and talked about Elisha, which we, he, we will see him in 2 Kings. In 1 Kings, we have stories of Elijah and the Lord speaking to Elijah. Remember, we, he ran for his life. He ran away from Jezebel because Jezebel was trying to kill him. He goes 40 days and 40 nights, as I said last week, until he reaches the mountain of God and the Lord appears to him. That'd be quite something for God to appear to us, right? And the Lord said, verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And the fire came, after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. The voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, verse 14, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Here's what the Lord said. Very famous passage. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, there's Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Ahaziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, and all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. There's 7,000, Elijah, there's 7,000 who have not bowed down. So I always keep a remnant. It's called remnant theology in the Bible. God always protects his people, usually a small group, but he's never gonna have a situation where there's no one left. So Elijah learns a very good lesson. All right, we continue on in chapter 21. Chapter 21 with Naboth's Vineyard. I love Naboth's Vineyard. It's quite long, so I'm not going to read it to you, but it's a beautiful, strong passage about the Naboth's Vineyard and Ahab and Jezebel. Great reading, great history reading, and a great lesson, too. And basically, Jezebel goads Ahab to take from Naboth his vineyard. And he kills him. And this is what the Lord says. In your place where dogs lick up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes yours. So he's prophesying to them. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord is watching us all the time. I'm going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male of Israel, slave or free. Dogs will devour Jezebel by the walls of Jezreel. You do not want to deal with the power of God, it is immense. Okay, and so in 1 Kings chapter 21, please read slowly the story of Naboth, his vineyard. He dies at the hands of Ahab, Jezebel goads him into killing him, he gets his vineyard, but he gets the wrath of the Lord. He should have just left him alone. In chapter 22, We have prophecies against Ahab. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouths of all these prophets, verse 23. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. And so we have a tête-à-tête between the prophets of the Lord, a prophet of the Lord, and a false prophet. Now this is actually a pretty significant theme in Kings, where you have false prophets and you have true prophets. The true prophets are sent by the Lord. The false prophets, they don't hear from the Lord. Their information is false. It's not true. And when people act according to that truth and not according to the true prophet, we have major problems. You'll enjoy chapter 2 as you look into that idea. Let's go now. So we end 1 Kings. We end 1 Kings in chapter 22 And we go to 2 Kings. And again, the Lord's judgment on Ahaziah. After Ahab's death, Moab rebels against Israel. Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of the upper room in Samaria, this is verse one, and injured himself. He sent messengers saying to them, go and consult Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from my injury. He's not seeking God. He will not seek God. He seeks the bales. Remember, Elijah dealt with that earlier at the end of the first kings. And so that wonderful story about how God is going to deal with this incredible situation, very, very significant. In chapter two, we have Elijah taken up into heaven. Remember, there's going to be a transference from Elijah to Elisha. And look at verse 9. Again, this is a very famous verse. Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah responds. You have asked a difficult thing. Verse 11. As they were walking and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So Elijah does this fantastic miracle in chapter 1. Read that very carefully, very slowly. About fire coming down from heaven. And him being a man of God and proving it one more time. And then the Lord takes Elijah up in a whirlwind. And Elisha is now going to be the new prophet. And he is going to have tremendous power like Elijah did. So the Lord is taking care of his people. The people are sinning egregiously against God. So it is a very dangerous thing to not to know the word of God and not to do the word of God. This is one of the reasons that we do this on a weekly basis with you. We encourage you. We pray for you. We hope that you will take the time to read the scriptures because this is important. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Now we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have the Book of Acts, which we spent a lot of time with. We just finished Mark, and before that we did Luke. Now we're in Matthew. And then after Acts is Romans. After Romans is 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Okay? Last week, as I said, we were in Philippians. Now we are in 1st Corinthians chapter 1 through chapter Four. And of course, next week uh, we will continue with Corinthians. Corinthians has sixteen chapters. It's rather long. Now the Corinthian church had lots of problems. They were a church that was very powerful. Uh, Unlike the Philippian church at Philippi, they didn't have a whole lot of problems. There weren't a whole lot of concerns on Paul's part. But in Corinth, there were lots of problems. Now Corinth was a notoriously notoriously wicked city. Very, very, very sexually immoral. So Paul is dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. He's dealing with strife internally. He's dealing with people that think more highly of themselves than they ought. He's dealing with different issues that have come before him, and he's answering their questions and working with them in this letter to speak to them the truth as God gives it to him. So it's a very long book and there's a lot to it. And again, I will treat it uh, overarching in an overarching way. Verse 10 of chapter one. I appeal to you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now that's the prayer for all of us in church. No divisions, no divisions and perfectly united. He says in verse 17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of his power. I'm not trying to impress you with what I know. We're sharing the gospel. We're sharing the good news of Christ. We want the cross to touch your life. We want the words of scripture to touch your life. Don't listen to my sounding words, high sounding words. Listen to what the scriptures say. This is why your personal devotion is so important. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, in chapter 1, a beautiful chapter, he shows us how significant the scriptures are. He challenges them to know the scriptures and to know the wisdom and the power of God. And we think we're smart, we think we know all this. No, the Lord is the one that knows. And then he talks about, in chapter 2, the wisdom from the Holy Spirit. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, chapter 2, verse 11. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to hear what the Spirit tells us. We see that also in Galatians 5 and Romans 8, for example. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that are come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. We need the wisdom of God. We need the Spirit of God. We need, need, need not to think more highly than we ought. We need to be very wise in listening to the Scriptures. We don't know anything, people. We need God's Spirit to tell us what is true and what is false, and we need to listen to what the Lord says. We most protect ourselves in doing that by reading the scriptures. And that's why, again, we offer you these texts of scripture on a daily basis this week. uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and Gospel. Continuing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, verse 16, and that God's spirit lives in you? If you're a Christian and you're listening to me, the spirit of God is living in you. And your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Glorify God in your body. If anyone destroys God's temple, verse 17, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Now, look at what he says in verse 18 and 19. Do not deceive yourselves. If anyone thinks he's wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. The Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. You and I are not smarter than the Lord, and our wisdom and our knowledge is no match for him. You and I want to have the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the Lord. And so 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3 really exalts the power of God. And we end with chapter four, when Paul says in verse four, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Is your conscience clear today? Are you right before God? Have your sins been forgiven? The Lord judges you. Remember, in the end, the Lord judges you. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and expose the motives of men's heart. He's got a camera that's watching us. As this camera is recording me, that camera of God is recording every action that you and I take. Live in the fear of the Lord. Enjoy the opening chapters, wonderful chapters of 1 Corinthians. Now, we'll go back to Matthew. We left off with Jesus being baptized by his cousin John. And now we go to the very famous chapter four, the temptation of Jesus. 40 days, 40 nights, no food. No food. The devil tempts him in three temptations that are recorded in the scriptures. There were many more than this, of course. Jesus responds by using scripture, specifically from Deuteronomy. That would be a wise tack for all of us to take. If you're going to deal with the devil, which you will, deal with him by knowing the scriptures. Again, another reason for this podcast, so that you and I will know the scriptures and we will encourage each other to read them. Jesus begins his ministry by preaching the gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is near. Now I actually misspoke when I said that. Matthew refers to it as the kingdom of heaven, Mark and Luke for the kingdom of God. Matthew is a Jewish man writing to a Jewish audience. What he's going to do in his gospel, he's going to give us many Old Testament texts to support Jesus' actions and the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. So in your reading of Matthew, if you have a good knowledge of the Old Testament, that's very helpful. If you don't have a good knowledge of the New Old Testament, then you'll want to look up those verses in your Bible in the Old Testament and begin to gain that knowledge. Jesus heals the sick. He calls the first disciples together at the end of chapter four. He begins his ministry at 30 years old. His ministry lasts about three years. No one knows exactly or precisely. He preaches in the synagogue. He preaches, he teaches in the synagogues. He preaches the good news of the kingdom. He heals every disease and sickness. People are ecstatic, hysterical, if you will, emboldened by what he's saying. And the news reaches everyone and they're bringing all the people that are sick and all the diseases and all the pain and very large crowds are following him. Now, the next series of texts, as you'll see in this podcast, are from Matthew five, one through 10, 11 to 16 and 17 to 20. Now, you know what that is. That's called the Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes. And what I love about the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll go in through verse 20, is that you read them for a lifetime. You could read them the rest of your life. Chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, we'll pick that up next week. And the way this is divided out, it's about 5 to 10 verses a week, uh, a week, a day, I'm sorry, a day. And a, a chapter and a half a week. So read the Beatitudes at the beginning of the chapter, You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. You are the light of the world, verse 14. Let your light shine before men, in verse 16, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father. And then he talks about the fulfilling of the law. So what he's gonna do is he's gonna go and take different sections of five, six, and seven. Beautiful sayings that he he has said in his ministry. Now he's teaching them. He can heal, he can cast out devils, he can walk on water, he can raise the dead, he can preach the gospel, but he's teaching us what is true. So for those of you that really want to know how you want to live your life, the Sermon on the Mount is a great place to start, begin, and end. And read it your whole life, five, six, and seven. So take your time to read the Beatitudes and the words of Jesus following. And I pray that the Lord God would bless you this week in your study of kings, and we go into 2 Kings, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, Elijah and Elisha. We looked at 1 Corinthians, lots of great verses in those first four chapters, and then Jesus begins his ministry and begins doing mighty acts. But He wants people to hear the word of God and respond to him in faith. God bless you. We'll see you next week.